Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. We want to bring to the platform right away... Dr. Cindy Tram. We are so excited to have the opportunity to do life with you. You were joining my life group right here from Atlanta, Georgia. Amen. And many of you around the world, you are meeting with your life group. And today we are just focusing on part two, living the, ble- the, be- the blessed life. I always want to say the best life, but the best life is the blessed life. And our series is living the blessed life. Amen. Amen. We're going to go directly into the word of the Lord taken from out of the book of Matthew. It's a familiar te- text, Matthew chapter 5. We know it as the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes. We're going to be reading from verse number 1 straight to verse number 12 so that you can join us in our Bible study as well as be blessed as you read the word of God. The entrance of the word giveth life light. So that's the insight that you want. That's the wisdom that you want. And also light is the presence and the power and the provisions of God made available upon demand. And so when we talk about light, we are talking about getting insight to something that is life-giving, something that is life-giving. And in our scriptures today, the Bible said, in seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he had said his disciples had come unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all men are of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your rewards in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now we're talking about the blessed life, and this is what the beatitude is all about. The word beatitude is really made up of two words, one be and the other 
attitude. And so the word be is an interesting concept because it has the connotation of something that is in existence or existence, something that is having being or having existence, something that is living or alive, something that has life, something that breathes, something that draws breath. You know, you were created. You were not created to survive. You were created to live, to thrive, to exist. You were created to breathe. And there are so many people that are waiting to exhale. Life have knocked the wind out of them and they have not breathed in a long time. But if that is you today, you are going to exhale. You are going to live the blessed life. You are no longer going to live a life that is in neutral, where things are just happening to you without your ability to respond. A lot of people go through life, their life is on autopilot, and it's almost as if they're afraid of even having a dream anymore or hoping anymore. And so many people are like automatrons. They're just hitting the button. They get up in the morning, and they go to work, and they go back home, and they just repeat that over and over again, not knowing that when Jesus when Jesus came, he came that you may have life to give meaning to your existence. There is a reason why you were born and what's going to happen is you're going to collide with purpose and your life is going to take on new meaning. The second connotation of that word be is occurrence. When something happens or something takes place or something comes above or something crops up or arises up or something that transpires or materializes something that ensues. We talk about, and this shall come to pass. And what is happening is a lot of times we read scripture and we don't get the true meaning of the scripture. But listen to this in Deuteronomy 28 verses one to two. It says, and it shall come to pass. In other words, you could take this to the bank because whenever God says, uses the word shall, it simply means that it is irrefutable. And if the devil tries to get in his way, God is going to run him over. It means that there is nothing in your life that can stop the occurrence of it. It's going to happen. It's going to transpire and it shall come to pass. If you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, the Lord thy God shall set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And I just love that. It simply means that God is going to give you celebrity status. It's not based on whether you have the right education, whether you have the right degree or pedigree. It's simply saying that you are scheduled for head-on collision with the blessed life if you just hearken to God's word. Now, it's easier done than said. Any believer will know that there's something about our flesh that wants to have its own way and go its own way. But if you ever wake up in the morning and if you ever choose on a day-to-day basis, moment-by-moment basis, second-by-second basis, God, I'm going to go your way. I'm going to hearken to your word. You are going to collide with the best life that you have ever had because it's going to be the blessed life. Number three, that word be 
has to do with something being situated or it means to be located or found or to be present or to be set, to be positioned, to be placed, to be installed. It's talked about the church when we talk about blessed be the God of and father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Watch this in heavenly places, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love. That means that that's where we are located. We are in Christ Jesus and our blessings is in heavenly places. And it means that we live in this world in love. We are not just loved. We were not created from just created from love. We exist in the realm of love. It means that everything around you, hallelujah, should be loving you and you should be loving it. That means if you don't love it, get it out of your life. If it ain't working anymore, get it out of your life. It is, if it's causing hardship, if it's causing your peace to be eroded, get it out of your life. Why? Because you were created to live in love. In fact, let me decree and declare everybody around you loves you. And those that are around you that don't, don't love you, they are serving a purpose called your enemies. And when your enemies are surrounding you, God is simply setting you up to prepare a banqueted table before your enemies so he, he can say eat your heart out are you with me Romans 8, we're talking about B. It means to, 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 to be situated, to be located, to be found. It means that when your enemies show up, they're going to find you in the realm of wealth. When your enemies show up, they're going to find you living in the realm of power. When your enemies show up, they're going to find you living in the realm of peace. It's where a person locates you. And just because the people around you are not living in God, are not hidden in the secret place of the most high God abiding under the shadow of the almighty it doesn't mean that that should affect where they locate you God has a place for you the scripture said in my father's house are many mansions that means that within his economic system he has a monopoly for you he has wealth for you because that house it comes from a word which is translated economics that means that your father is an economic guru and he's going to place you in the midst of an economy so that you can live you are not going to survive in other words even if we place you in your father's house where there are many mansions and Jesus said if it was not so I would not have told you I go to prepare a place for you your enemies is going to locate you in the realm of economic healthiness what does that mean what is the what is the implication of that it means as long as you are in God and listen to me carefully I believe it and therefore I decree it your finances will be recession proof glory to God not a whole lot of people are happy about that but I'm happy about it Romans 8 1 to 2 says there, it, there is therefore now 
no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. In other words, you are going to literally defy uh, many things that will come or is sent or is orchestrated to cause death in you. And it doesn't have to be physical death because I'm walking around and there's so many people that I meet whose hope has died, whose dreams have died, whose faith has died, whose praise has died, whose expectations have died. But whatever has died illegally must come to life. And I speak like Ezekiel spoke to those dry bones. Things that were discombobulated is going to come together. And your life is going to take on a different tenure when you understand the power of the beatitude. Wherever you are, you are in somewhere. To be means to be located somewhere. It means that you are dwelling somewhere. You are positioned somewhere. You are placed somewhere. Listen to what Joseph said after his trial. After his trial, he says this, fear not, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you thought it evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people to, 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 to life or to save much people alive. In other words, all things will work together for good once you understand the power of the Beatitudes. The Beatitude is the attitude that you acquire. Now, the fourth understanding of that word B is to remain. It means that you're going to stay somewhere. You're going to last. You're going to continue. You're going to survive. You're going to endure. You're going to persist. You're going to prevail. You're going to linger. You're going to hold on. You're going to hang on. That means that once you understand how powerful these beatitudes are, you will never give up. You will persist until you succeed. There will never come a time where you will throw in the towel, where you will wave the wet red wave the white flag to be able to say this is it it is over I'm not trusting anymore I'm not going to believe anymore it means the beatitude that first word be means that you're going to last where other people fall and fail and they give up you are only going to get started you are going to be saying I'm built to last I have not been built to break I have not been built to give up I've built to last why because you will have overcome Come by the blood, blood of the lamb and the words of your testimony. Now, the second part of this word, be attitude, attitude. One of the things that Chuck Swindle said, and I quote, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on my life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, the education, the money, than circumstances, than failure than success than what other people think or say or do it is more important than appearance uh, it is more important than giftedness or skill it will make or break a company it will make or break a church it will make or break a home it will make or break a relationship attitude the remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day we cannot change our past 
past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The one thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react. And it is so with you. We are in charge of our attitude. And that unquote Charles Swindell. Now, Jesus said it this way. Let this mind, or Paul said it this way. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. In other words, whatever attitude Christ had, that's the one that you should have. In other words, attitude is the faculty of conscious and uh, thought. It's a settled way of thinking, of feeling about someone or something. Typically, it is that thing that reflects your be- is reflected in your behavior. So have you ever been in a room and someone came and the room was filled with so much happiness and you were looking around and you could point to the person that had this amazing positive attitude? Likewise, have you ever been around people or in a room when someone comes in and they have a stinking attitude and the whole place is filled with negative energy? Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever lived with a person who when they wake up, the whole house is happy, and then when they're not happy, the whole house changes? It's all in the attitude. Why? Because your attitude is your viewpoint, is your outlook, it's your perspective. If you think everything wrong is going to happen to you, it's going to affect your attitude, and then everything wrong will happen to you. It's your orientation. It's your approach to life. Is your reaction to life, is your opinion, your ideas, your convictions, your feelings, your thinking. It, it, it affects your confidence or your self-confidence and it manifests in your behavior. It manifests in your attitude. It manifests in your style. A person that has a poor attitude towards themselves is going to manifest in how they dress. It's going to manifest in how they groom. But a person that feels good about themselves, you are going to know they feel good about themselves because they're a tire will reflect it. Their face will reflect it. Their smile will reflect it. Their hair will reflect it. Everything in life rises and falls on your attitude. Interestingly enough, when we talk about an airplane, I travel for, for a living. I'm in an airplane just about every week, sometimes five, six, seven, eight times a week. And one of the things I found out about an airplane or an, or an aircraft or even a spaceship They talk about that aircraft or that airplane or that spaceship. They talk about it as having an attitude. In other words, that's the orientation of the aircraft or the spacecraft or the airplane um, relative to the direction of its travel. So that means that your attitude determines the direction your life is going to travel. It, 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 it determines the direction your finance is going to travel. It determines the direction your ministry will travel. It determines the direction your business will travel. It determines the direction your marriage will travel. It determines the direction of your life. In other words, how high you go and how far you're able to go is based on your attitude. And 
one of the things that Paul said, then you don't even have to figure out what kind of attitude you should have. He said, let this mind be in you. Take on the same attitude as Jesus Christ. This instruction is given to us so that we can acquire it, so that we can maintain it, so that we can be conscious of it, conscious when we have it and conscious when we don't have it. The attitude of Christ, that means in so doing your life will travel in an amazing direction because his attitude took him all the way to glory, seated at the right hand of the Father. And if his attitude could take him all the way to glory, seated at the right hand of, of, his, of the Father, how far will your attitude take you? Yes. Your attitude determines whether you're going to, to travel in the direction of God's original plan or purpose for your life. You will ascend into the heights of God if you can just have a checkup from the neck up. In other words, what is your attitude all about? Your life will never be in the dumps. You will never live subsistent. It's all about your attitude. And if we can just get our attitude together, and here's the beautiful thing about it. You don't have to get together. Get it together. The Holy Spirit, once you allow him to work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, you don't have to do it by yourself because all your righteousness are as filthy rags anyway. If you would just take the back seat and give the front seat to God and let the Holy Spirit work in you, I'm telling you every day your life is going to be like one big birthday party. Every day I wake up, my life is like a birthday party. My, my doorbell is always ringing because there's a, always a package, a gift that is coming to my door. And it's always the things that I need. Are you with me? And so, you know, this is amazing because, you know, I like, uh, I wear makeup, obviously. And I like this product. Uh, and, and shout out to Mary Kay. They didn't pay me. But anyway, uh, I like the Mary Kay. And they have this thing called Metafire. And it just sucks the grease off of your face. And, you know, as simple as that may seem, I like big gifts. But the other day I hear ding dong and I go to the door. There's a box with about 10 packages of Mary Kay Mattifier for my birthday gift. And boy, was I dancing because there's nothing like a greasy face. <laughs> and so and so every day your life could be dynamic. Every day, God could be saying, surprise, and you'll be waking up. You didn't have to do it, but I'm glad that you did. Don't stop. Amen. And you can live like that is all about the attitude and you can set the atmosphere so that you can calibrate your attitude every single day. Now, the Beatitudes takes Philippians 4, 6 to 9 to another level. And Philippians 4, 6 to 9, if you can turn there with me, please, says, be careful for nothing. In, in other words, don't be worrying. Don't be fret. Don't be upset. Don't, don't spaz out. You know, just don't do that. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, don't just pray, thank God. Thank God for your sight. There are some people that cannot see. Thank God for your arms, your legs, they work. Thank God. I don't care what you think about your body. You got a body that moves. Yes. Are you with me? There's something you could be grateful for. If your car breaks down, at least you got a car. 90% of the people don't have a car. And if they do, it's called a Chevrolet. They shove one, they lay the other. It's called walking. Are you with me? If your lights turn out, there are some people that don't have lights to turn on. 
You could still be grateful. At least I had a light to turn off. At least I'm living in a house. Are you with me? To be careful for nothing. Don't complain about anything. Don't worry about anything. But everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. A lot of us pick up the telephone when we're in the thick of a situation. And we call our friends. And we call our sister. And we call our cousin. And before you finish telling your story, the table is turned. Girl, if you think your story is bad, wait till you hear mine. Are you with me? Because everybody wants to be worse than others because we're afraid to be better than we were yesterday. And so we can live the blessed life. Let your request be made known unto God because he could do something about it. Most people you talk to can't do anything about it. And how you know because they couldn't fix their own problem. You know they can fix yours. And so go to the person or to the God that is able to fix your situation. And verse number seven said, and the peace of God which passes all understanding. I don't know why I'm calm, cool, and collective because everybody else is upset, but I'm just breezing, Amen. you know, cruising through life, happy, and, and having a good time. And when other people are upset, you are just like, I don't get it. But even if they're upset with you, I still don't get it. Why? Because I'm happy, and if you're happy and you know it, Clap your hand, say amen, and do your dance with thanksgiving. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, just because something is truth, it doesn't mean that it's always true. And just because something is true, it doesn't mean that it's truth. It's, it, it, it's, it's very important. Truth is different from true. Just because something is true, it doesn't mean that it's truth. But it's that whatsoever is true, line up whatever is true with truth. And if it's not, you, if what is true is not aligning with what is truth, kick it out. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. So if someone lies on you, it may be true that they lied, but the lie is not truth. Amen. So you don't have to worry about it. That ain't truth. Why, why do I say that? Because the scripture says something interesting. It says the truth shall set you free. Not what is true, but the truth shall set you free. Whatever is, is, is true, make sure that which is true lines up with the truth. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of a good report, if there be any virtue, any praise, think on these things. Now, this is interesting. Because at first I said, well, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff to remember. But how God explained this to me, he said, look, this is your litmus test for what you think about in a day. And everything that you meditate on and think about must qualify based on these eight categories. That means if someone says something and it's true and it's honest and it's just, but it ain't pure, kick it out. It's got to qualify in all these things. If someone says something that is true and it's coming from an honest source and they were just in saying what they were saying, but it's ugly stuff. Kick it out. There's a, there, there's a, there's a posture in uh, the Jewish, uh, 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 Jewish lifestyle and it's called Lashon Hora. Lashon Hora. And 
it, it bespeaks of sin of the mouth, sin of the mouth, sin of the mouth. In other words, you're saying something that potentially could take your life into misalignment with the will of God or someone else's. So if it doesn't align with all of these things and you hear it, you got to shut it down. You got to get off of Twitter. Did you hear? People ask me all the time, did you hear? I said, I'm not interested. I really am not interested. What am I going to do with all that information? I don't, I don't surf the, ner- the, the, the net just to get information. I don't sit on uh, Facebook for five hours. I don't troll Twitter for 100 hours. I don't sit in front of the news listening to all of that stuff because half of it, like your president says, is fake news. <laughs> if there's one thing... I got from in is that saying it's fake. You you want you want you want the real news, which is the good news, which is the gospel. So that means that if if it if it's if it's a report or it, but it's not praiseworthy, if 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 someone now this is going to help you a whole lot. The moment you decrease something or repeat something, you give that thing permission to exist. So if a person gossips about you and it's a lie, don't repeat it. Don't pick up the telephone and say, did you hear what so-and-so said? Now, it's one thing for them to say it. The Bible said, thou shall decree a thing. And it shall be established. Here is what the enemy does to trip you up. Someone says something and you repeat it. And the moment you repeat it, you give it permission to exist. So just don't, if, if people are gossiping, don't repeat it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but your flapping lip will never hurt me. Why? Because no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every tongue that rises up what does the scripture said you are going to what condemn it and the way that you condemn it is not to repeat it because the moment you repeat it you give it permission to live shut it down turn to your name and say shut it down your attitude whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure here is your litmus test Lovely, a good report, virtuous, praiseworthy. Those are the only things that qualify. The whole eight categories, those are the only things that qualify to be in my mind. Anything else, you got to chuck it out. You got to eject it. You can't play it over and over because the, the enemy now is changing your attitude so that he could change the direction that your life is flowing in. There be attitudes. Since your life travels in the direction of your most prominent thoughts, what you think determines what you have, determines where you live, determines who you live with. It determines where you go, who and what goes with you, what you accomplish, your success, your failure, your heights, your lows, your happiness, your peace. What you think determines all of that. And the one thing that you can do, you can control your thoughts. And it's all about the attitude. The Beatitudes state that whatever is happening around you 
does not have the power to determine what happens on the inside of you and what happens with you and what happens to you and what happens for you. Whatever, whatever is happening on the inside will eventually find expression on the outside. And so you've you got to control what's going on on the inside. Life is not happening to you. You are happening to life. Amen. So make something new happen. By changing your attitudes. In other words, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. All things work together for good in the end. So let's just begin to deal with the Beatitudes and dissect them one by one. Each clause opens up with the word blessed, which is translated favored, happy, healthy, privileged, esteemed, honored, and enviable. I'm going to say it again. When you see that word blessed, it is translated favored, happy, healthy, privileged, esteemed, honored, and enviable. So let's just do a cursory view before we dig in and before we excavate each one of these. If you would turn with me to our text in Matthew chapter 5, reading from verse 3. I'm going to give you a synopsis, a snapshot of each declaration before we delve into each one as a standalone teaching. So verse number 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So let's stop here for a minute. And I'm only giving you a snapshot. Blessed. So let's change that word to its synonym. Favored. Happy. Healthy privileged, esteemed, honored, and enviable are the poor in spirit, not the poor in finances. The poor is very specific, not the poor in tangible wealth, but the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So let's start writing. We're just taking a synopsis, an overview. Then we're going to really excavate this as we go on in our teaching. Psalm 9 verse 18 says this, For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Best Blessed are the poor in spirit. So your spirit is the part of you that connects with God. You are a tripartite being, body, soul, spirit. Your body makes you self-conscious. And God gives you a brain, which is a part of your body. Your body includes your brain. Your brain is not spiritual, it's physical. This is why when we talk about mind over matter, we are talking about let this mind control the brain. All of the functions of your brain can be recalibrated if you recalibrate your mind. The Bible said, present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing, not of your brain, by the renewing of your mind. You see, when you get diseases like depression, depression is not the disease of the brain. Depression is disease of the mind. Therefore, you cannot treat depression with Zoloft. You cannot treat depression with Prozac because it's not a disease of the brain. It's the disease of the mind. Do you hear me? 
People are depressed because they cannot see a brighter future. But if you give them a vision, if you give them a dream, depression goes. I decree and declare those of you that are, just, that are suffering from depression and oppression and anxiety, you will no longer allow doctors to treat you with medication. You now are going to let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. I decree that God is giving you a vision and a dream for your life. He said, I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. I speak to your depression. Your assignment is up. You, you, you I speak to suicide. The, the, those of, of you that are suicidal, you shall live and not die. The devil is a liar. Every time they pump that stuff in you, they are altering the terrain of your brain because it's a chemical. But I speak to every chemical imbalance of the brain that may be contributing to your attitude. I decree a chemical realignment. I decree God is healing you. And those of you that are on medication, I decree as you meditate on God's word day and night, you will be taken off of the medication. You will feel like yourself again. I decree those of you that don't feel like yourself, you don't feel like getting up, you feel the heaviness. I command the spirit of heaviness to lose you. God has not given you the spirit of fear. Those of you that are suffering from anxiety, from night sweat, night terror, from demonic visitations, penetrating your dream and causing nightmares, I decree you healed in Jesus' name. You're made up of body, soul, and spirit. Your body makes you self-conscious, which includes the brain. Number two, your soul makes you self-conscious. Your body makes you conscious of the world. Excuse me. Your body makes you conscious of the world. Your body and your brain makes you conscious of the world around you. Your soul makes you self-conscious. And I just wanted to correct that. Again, your body makes you conscious of the world around you, including your brain. That's why you have five physical senses, inlets, and outlets of a stimuli. But your soul makes you self-conscious. You, you're, you're aware of who you are, how you feel, and your soul is responsible for that. And then your spirit makes you God-conscious. So the Bible says, blessed are you that are poor in spirit. It means that you're lacking something spiritual from God. It's some area of your relationship with God that, that, that is impoverished. But he said, even if... You are impoverished in some spiritual area of your life. He considers you blessed. He said, because yours is the uh, kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for, thou, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is very important. Because if you're poor, people that are poor rely on the benevolence of a benefactor. A humanitarian, right? And they learn how to beg or they learn how to position themselves in the best place, the optimum place, so that they can receive sustenance and help from the benefactor. Now listen to me carefully. This is what God is saying. If you position yourself so that I'm your benefactor, that means <laughs> that I will become not only your father, but your provider and your supplier. 
This beatitude does not infer that you should take the vow of poverty, but instead it is a declaration of dependence on God and his ability to supply all your need according to his riches and glory. In other words, this is what this, this, this particular beatitude, this clause in this beatitude is simply saying, look, once you see that your heavenly father is your benefactor, and you make a declaration of dependence. United States of America is a declaration of independence. Independence from Great Britain. We, we say we don't need you as a benefactor anymore. We don't need your laws. We don't need your government. You don't, we don't need your king. We don't need your military. We don't need your army. We don't need your supply. We are a sovereign and we can take care of ourselves. And what God is saying is the moment you decide that you could take care of yourself, the moment you claim that you are a self-made millionaire, are you with me? This is your declaration of independence from God. But this first clause says, position yourself so that you could tell the world that you are declaring your full dependency on God. Why is this important? When you become heaven's beneficiary, God will empower you to become earth's benefactor. Oh, I like it. I'm going to say it again. Lord have mercy. When you become heaven's beneficiary, you become earth's benefactor. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Shall what? Man, give unto your bosom. You are not going to become dependent on a man. You are going to become dependent on God. And man will become dependent on you. You ain't getting it. It means God will bless you and you will be a blessing to your family. You will be a blessing to your mother. Instead of your parents putting you in a house, you will put your parents in a house. Matthew 6, 27 to 32. Let's support that. Matthew 6, 27 to 32. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Do you know what glory is? Wealth. He said, look, I hook up the lilies. I hook up. They don't have to spin. They don't have to toil. They don't have to have a resume. They don't have to have a CV looking for a job. I give them the divine hookup. I decree and declare, even if you are unemployed, God is giving you a divine hookup. You're going to posture yourself and declare your full dependency on the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's able to supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Your demands don't deplete heaven's inventory. Make your demand. Ask what you will. Then even Solomon and all of his glory. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, ye of little faith? Take no thought. Stop worrying. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we be clothed with? Well, I'm going to eat. Well, I'm going to drink. Well, I'm going to put on. 
said, don't even pray about that. God is saying, I got you. I got you. You like Walmart? I got you. You like Sears? I got you. You like Louis Vuitton? I got you. If that is your taste, I got you. Y'all are not getting this. That for you want to pitch where the prices are always falling? Hang out there. But if you want some Dolce & Gabbana, I got you. Solomon has nothing on you. Are you with me? You can elevate yourself by elevating your thoughts. <sighs> Wherefore shall we be clothed? Well, I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. Well, I'm going to put on. Heaven says, as long as you declare your dependency upon me, I got you. For your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Why do I say this? Why do I, in the same breath, talk about Walmart? as I do a Dolce and Gabbana. Why do I do that? Because there are some people, their assignment demands Dolce and Gabbana. And there are other people, their assignment demands Walmart. You don't need a Dolce and Gabbana, why? Because I'm sending you in the bush, in the Amazon, and you're gonna be going up the rivers, and then the dirt, and then and your little Dolce lemon dress with the little lemons, it's all gonna be dirty. <laughs> Get you a pair of overall jeans for $9.99. And if it's on sale, $6.99. Are, are you getting this? Because a lot of people are afraid to approach the subject. As if somehow, if you were the worst, God is happy with you. You don't glorify God with wearing the worst. However, there are some assignments that dictate that. Mother Teresa, she had one bicycle, two dresses, and a pair of sandals. And that's all she needed. Why two dresses? Because one, when one was drying, she was wearing the other. That's all some individuals need. They don't need any more than that. But if God is going to send you as his earthly representative to kings and governors, you got to dress like you want to be addressed. Are you with me? Yes. Philippians 4:19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Luke 11:9:13 says, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asks receive, and he that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. If 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 a son shall ask for bread, any of, you, of any of you that is his father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks fish, will, will he for the fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he off, offer a scorpion? In other words, your, your, your earthly father will not play games like that. Not going to build up your expectation and then let you down. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father Give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. In other words, God is not playing games with you when it comes to this particular beatitude. Number two, verse number four. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed, favored, happy, 
healthy, privileged, esteemed, honored, and enviable are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And we're going to continue our teaching next week, and we're going to start out where we're ending. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible. 